Hi everyone, I'm Sofia, the founder of Vona and a host of this podcast, Vona Talks. Vona is a consultancy and education platform with a focus on climate, gender, security and intersection between them. In this podcast, we bring unique and underrepresented as well as more known voices of diverse experts, activists and storytellers. Hi everyone, welcome back to Wanna Talks and today I have a special guest with me, Alice Buckle, who is a co-founder of the She Changes Climate and a global movement that empowers women leaders to lead just climate action. This is especially relevant for me as a host of this podcast because I'm currently finishing my mentoring program with She Changes Climate, but we will talk a bit about this later on. And uh, for now, I want to give the floor to Alice to introduce herself briefly as well. Thank you, Sophia, and welcome, everybody. So indeed, my name is Alice Buckle. I'm co-founder and co-director of She Changes Climate. Uh, I'm also the founder of Climate and Sustainability, and I teach entrepreneurship and sustainability at the Glion Institute. I'm also a leadership mentor, and I'm really passionate about women leadership and climate action. Perfect. Thank you, Alice. And I'm very, very honored to have you today at my podcast. Um, before we dive into the content of your work, and I assume there will be a lot to talk about climate sustainability, women leadership as well. Uh, would you want to share with us your story? Where do you come from and what brought you to work on gender and climate intersection and nexus with leadership and women and so on? Yes, so I was actually born in France. Uh, I grew up in the countryside and I've always been very close to nature. And uh, I started my career in the humanitarian sector. So I worked in Tajikistan, in Central Asia, and also in uh, Chile, in Santiago de Chile, working for the UN and then several um, development organizations on the ground, uh, mainly on disaster reduction. So I became aware of the connection between climate change and poverty reduction. And then I started working on climate at uh, COP, uh, COP11, actually, in 2005 in Montreal. At that time, I was working as an environmental policy advisor for the members of the European Parliament, who uh, sent me to my first COP. At the time, the countries from around the world were negotiating the Kyoto Protocol, and I just realized that uh, this was really the issue of our times. And so since that, it has been uh, the red thread of my professional career, but also my personal commitment to the cause. Uh, I work for the United Nations, for IUCN, WWF, also in the private sector. And I was also uh, very uh, honored and humbled to serve uh, two top-level diplomats. One was Ambassador Khan, who was the chief negotiator for the COP23 presidency for Fiji, and Dr. David Nabarro. And together, we launched the Nature-Based Solutions Coalition at the Climate Action Summit in New York in 2019. And in these experiences, I realized that uh, the role of women leadership was extremely important in climate negotiations to bring empathy, to also bring a different perspective, to, uh, to give a voice to everybody. So this is what Ambassador Khan did with the Talanoa Dialogue. And uh, David Nabarro as well is um, uh, an expert in facilitation of multi-stakeholder dialogue. Um, and I realized that we could only address the climate crisis by bringing everybody together 
in a spirit of radical collaboration, going beyond egos and logos, and accelerating action through partnership building, bringing together the UN, the governments, the private sector, the civil society actors as well to find these systemic solutions uh, that we need to, to really scale up um, to address this, this crisis. I think that my passion for uh, women leadership came from my experience advising Ambassador Khan, also my experience as a politician. Uh, I saw that it was also quite challenging for women to, to lead uh, change uh, when you are in a system that is dominated by patriarchy. And She Changes Climate has been really my passion uh, in the last two years and it keeps growing. So I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Perfect. Thanks for sharing. And uh, I really love how you kind of have participated at different branches of governments, countries, national, internationally, at the European level as well. I also worked for one of very inspiring politicians in the European Parliament. Her name is Hanna Neumann. I don't know if you heard of her, but she's also very active on climate diplomacy field. And uh, I think on that case, I also kind of got inspired about women's leadership as well. So thanks, thanks for sharing on that. And uh, it's good that you mentioned the COP uh, negotiations, because my next question is actually about that, since we are not far away from the last COP28 that took place in Dubai. And I know that you have been there and uh, you participated on behalf of She Changes Climate as well. Um, what was your experience, if you could share with us? Because I personally haven't never attended yet the COP, so I'm only kind of gathering the information from everyone I talk to. And uh, what do you think about the outcomes, but maybe also about the atmosphere? And since you have been attending many COPs before, has something been different this year? Maybe also something in relation to women's participation or women's leadership, if anything, of course. Yes, thank you so much. So COP28, I think it was my 12th COP. Uh, it was a very special COP for many reasons. First, the largest ever. I think there were more than 100,000 participants. Uh, compared to the very first COP uh, that had 5,000 people, this is quite a quite a big change. Um, it was very challenging, as you know. The UAE was uh, the president, the presidency, the country hosting the, co the the COP, and the UAE is still relying on fossil fuels uh, for 30% of its GDP. Uh, but in a sense, I would say it was a very interesting COP and uh, probably a milestone. Uh, and this is also due to the public pressure of women, but also youth, civil society, were all united to push for the phase out of fossil fuels. We also hosted an online summit uh, and the closing was uh, a dialogue facilitated between Sultan El-Jaber, the president of COP, and Mary Robinson. And uh, Mary Robinson really challenged Sultan El-Jaber on the issue of fossil fuels that was picked up by the media and it really created a butterfly effect and that really helped to galvanize the support for the phase out of fossil fuels. So we were quite uh, proud as she changes climate, but not only, you know, the whole movement uh, led by women for climate justice, that there was so much pressure. And in the end, the COP presidency had to include a decision on uh, fossil fuels. It was not exactly the wording we wanted, but it was still a decision to transition away from fossil fuels in this critical decade, which is uh, really a milestone because for many years, the oil producing countries were blocking. So it's a result of a compromise 
including for uh, Saudi Arabia and Iraq. But we feel it's a step in the right di direction. In terms of your question on the representation of women, we are still very far away from gender balance. We are advocating for 50% of women at all levels of decision-making. The UAE negotiations team actually had 63% of women, and the team was led by Hannah El-Hashimi, and we were very close to her. So this is a very good progress. But if you look at COP in general, uh, there are still only about 30%, uh, were around 34-35% of women participating to COP. So this is still far too low. The heads of delegations, so the people who are leading the countries and also the non-state actors, 20% only are women. And then for the presidency itself, since COP1 in 1995, only five women have been uh, elected as co-presidents. So we are now working on the COP29 presidency to make sure there are more women. And uh, it's not a small task, but we have also some hope that this is going to change. The COP29 presidency has appointed a woman as high-level champion, also the youth champion. They have included 12 women on their organizing committee. And now let's see for COP13 Brazil, if we could have a woman as co-president. Thank you. I also saw the news on your social media, how much you were sharing on Azerbaijan for now, having no women on their team. And I saw that The Guardian picked it up as well. And then some other social media platforms as well were talking about your campaign. And um, it's, it's good to hear that you also already are kind of two years ahead. Um, I, I was participating as well in the online debates. I do not know if the record is possible, actually, because I think it would be nice to link it as well for our audience to listen to the online conference that took place, like your online conference that took place during COP28. Um, because also on Mary Robinson, I think I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. And I think this is actually when I started thinking about climate justice myself. I read her book, Climate Justice, which talks about different stories of people on the ground on how they are sort of challenging the, the status quo and, and trying to make differences sometimes with small projects that then have huge global effects. And I think this is also what I try to do with this podcast, trying to talk to different people and seeing how big differences they're making with different projects like your She Changes Climate, but some also smaller community actions on the ground. Um, and with this, I think we came to the to talk about She Changes Climate, an amazing project. So do you hear it well that it's only two years old? And maybe you could share a bit more because I feel like the success of the project is already quite huge. I was very much surprised to see it in, in newsletters and in media. So I'm very, very happy that, um, yeah, that your advocacy work is paying off and it's being recognized and hopefully brings all, as well to some changes at the national levels, COP levels and so on. Yes, so just on the online summit, uh, it's on YouTube, it's available uh, online. If you tap She Changes Climate online summit, you will find it. Uh, on She Changes Climate, so it was actually started by my co-founders Antoinette Vermillet and Bianca Pitt uh, around the time of COP26, and uh, they realized that there were only men on the presidency team, and they asked me to help them in terms of the diplomatic outreach to, uh, to share and uh, leverage an open letter to the presidency. At the time, it was signed by about 400 women leaders from around the world, uh, coming from uh, public policy, private sector, civil society, uh, all sectors of society. 
from around the world. And uh, the presidency did appoint some women, but not in the most uh, strategic positions, mainly in communications and operations. So we thought we had to keep going. So then for COP27, there was another open letter, this time signed by more than 1,000 change makers, influencers, politicians, civil rights activists, and which also got a lot of traction during uh, the UN General Assembly in, in September. And uh, we also started to work much more closely with the women on the inside of the COP presidency. So we supported Minister Fouad, Yasmin Fouad. She was the Minister of Environment for Egypt. Uh, we had been campaigning for her to be co-president. So she had actually quite an important role coordinating all the ministries for COP27. We were invited to join uh, Gender Day in Egypt, and uh, which was also covered by the media quite extensively. And we invited a lot of our youth leaders on stage to deliver our um, women declare emergency statement that came out from our online summit. And then for COP28, uh, we worked closely with Hannah Elashimi, the chief negotiator, and uh, with Mary Robinson, as you said, at Project Dandelion, uh, which is an amazing woman-led campaign for climate justice. Uh, the dandelion is a flower that grows on all seven continents. It's very resilient. It's also a symbol of hope. And it's spreading very quickly, just like us uh, women who are committed to climate action. So, uh, so yes, the She Changes Climate campaign has been growing. We are now a global movement. We have more and more partners on board. Uh, and as you say, you know, traction in media and social media. Now, what we'd like to do with our co-director, Mamta Borgoyari, who's based in India, is to develop more our presence at the country level, especially in the global south. We have an amazing network of uh, 15 ambassadors in 15 countries, and we will extend that to uh, um, up to 12 new ambassadors. And now we are developing She Changes Climate Networks at the country level. Um, we will do that, especially on March 8th, as a, as a way also to celebrate the International Women's Day. Yeah, very symbolic. And I also love the, the Dandelion story and comparisons. I think this kind of small things that they make a difference and they also stay in the memory of people to to understand what the project is about and about us spreading all around as well. Could you maybe share with me a little bit about the mentoring program as well? Because uh, I think that your mentoring program is quite special. I remember when the first call I joined, and it also refers to in the beginning when you started talking about empathy and about trying to do things differently. I remember the first call of mentoring program was, I think we started with a small meditation, which I really, really loved. And I found this, uh, like I found like I'm in my space because I feel like, okay, we, there are a lot of people, organizations, networks out there, including on women and climate, even though I, I, I agree that you were a special and a different one. But I did not expect that it will be that different in a positive way that you actually would incorporate this uh, mental and um, yeah empathetic part into into the program itself. And also, if you could share in general about mentoring program, where the idea came from and what do you want to achieve? Because I assume you're also one of the biggest mentoring programs that exists out there. So kudos to you on navigating all of this with amazing online platform and connecting different people from all around the world as well. 
Thank you. Yes, so we actually started the mentoring program about two years ago as a pilot project uh, with Climate Sustainability, the, the NGO I had created in 2020. And uh, the idea came actually from a discussion I had at that time with my co-president about the need to support youth leaders in particular, uh, because youth leaders are very eager to act on climate change, but also affected by eco-anxiety. And uh, also in the, some of the previous mentoring programs where I had been mentoring, mentoring um, mainly younger women, younger women professionals, I saw that there was a lot of power and potential for positive change just by connecting people to each other and opening up doors um, to younger professionals. And so providing the tools, the emotional support, uh, the time to listen, but also um, opening up networks. And so I think the mentoring program is, uh, is a very inspiring platform. Now we have been able to scale it up. Uh, so I think we have more than 400 people signed up. Currently, more than 100 people are active in this mentoring program. We have collective workshops and we also have one-to-one peer-to-peer coaching sessions where the mentors and the mentees are able to build a more personal relationship. And, uh, and so that's been a, really an amazing journey. I, I think also, as you say, mindfulness is a powerful tool to work on what I would call the uh, inside ecology, because actually the changing the world also means uh, trying to look inside uh, ourselves. And I've also been privileged to join the Climate Leaders Retreat that was hosted by Christiana Figueres at the Plum Village in October which is really about connecting mindfulness and climate action. And that's a very powerful tool to work from the heart uh, with a kind intention to serve the collective good and to also have the strength to face you know, what can happen. A lot of people are subject to burnout, anxiety, infighting. So it's very important to have these tools uh, to be resilient and to continue that journey while at the same time being kind with ourselves as well, you know, with a lot of self-care. Beautiful. I, I just love how it sounds and I can only confirm your words. I mean, it truly did did the magic to me uh, with the general coaching sessions, but also with my mentor. I do not know if you require mentors also to have the mindfulness background, but my mentor surely is the one who does have. And it was a huge support. I mean, I'm probably one of those young leaders that you're talking about. Um, and I can surely confirm that it it kind of dived into something that wasn't explored before or like it connected the two worlds that didn't see the connection before because sometimes and often I also see from my colleagues and friends that we do climate action policy work and this is something that is one thing and like there is you at work and then there is you in your personal life when you hopefully meditate do some yoga mindfulness session and so on but it was nice to see how those two worlds actually can connect and empower each other and kind of get to a better place. Because I can surely agree with the fact that if we want to achieve what we want to achieve with the world when it comes to climate justice and maybe hopefully having more women leaders out there, we need to work on ourselves and we need to work inside of ourselves. And here, hopefully, I also speak not only for women, but also for men, because without men, we won't be able to achieve that either. So... Hopefully, they, yeah, it, it gets to, to where we all hope to, to get. 
Um, and with this, I wanted to ask if there are any other projects that you currently work on and um, you think might be useful to, to the audience. I, of course, will encourage everyone to apply for the mentoring program and uh, join to listening to all the conferences that you're planning and the networks that you're also creating in Global South and I assume in Global North as well. But is there anything else that we should expect <laughs> Yes, so this is an open invitation to join the movement. You can write to us. There's uh, the email, uh, hello at sheechangesclimate.org. We'll be happy to include you in our partners group. We have uh, monthly calls. And uh, this is also an open invitation to host an event or at least a conversation with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues on March 8th on the International Women's Day. Uh, the topics this year are in, uh, valuing inclusion and diversity and also investing in women. And uh, we will have several of our members, uh, ambassadors and network leaders hosting some events. So there's one actually in Geneva, uh, which is uh, done in partnership with the city of Geneva on the 8th of March. So you will find the information uh, online and through our social media platform. We have also colleagues hosting events and meetings in India, uh, in, um, in Kenya, most likely in Uganda, in, uh, in Tanzania and Zambia, in many countries around the world, in Brazil. Uh, sometimes it's also just uh, joining the social media action. Uh, we will have a social media kit so that people can join uh, easily from anywhere around the world. And yes, this is really to cultivate hope and to continue to grow this flourishing ecosystem of women leaders from different horizons, from the political landscape. Uh, we have also entrepreneurs, civil rights activists, and it's really the cross-fertilization of uh, these different stakeholders that is creating the magic and that can um, really provide a platform for women to rise by lifting each other, by helping each other and, uh, and unlocking the power of collective action through these platforms of collaboration. I love it. I mean, you surely just got a new partner if you ever are in need of someone in Brussels. Uh, we are very happy to help and host and, and support in every way we can. I think be, before that, we will surely join the social media campaign as well and uh, try to promote um, yeah promote your cause because I think that we have a very similar values especially in terms of building the community and collaboration I think we have been living for too long in the individual world where everyone cares about themselves and now we are more and more especially as women realize that we need to act together if we want to see changes when it comes to climate change but also beyond so I think that this is something that we should talk more of and, and talk about this community building and collaborations. Uh, thank you very much for your time and for sharing your story, your, your vision, your values, ideas, projects with us. Um, is there any last message that you want to share with the listeners? Yes, it's a message of hope. Never give up. Uh, it's very important to keep hope and also the individual and collective action, this is really what brings hope. Um, and so I think this is very important also to build the resilience that uh, we know we're not giving up and we are together in this fight for climate action. And we are also together as women leaders. And obviously we need men on board to help us. 
Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much for bringing this hope message. This is exactly what I'm looking forward towards the end of the episodes usually to to give some hope to the listeners and of course the invitation to join and and do more together. Thank you, Alice, for your time. And uh, yeah, I hope that we see each other at different platforms around the world more often as well in future. Thank you so much. Deep gratitude. That was it for this episode. Now we would love to hear from you. Let us know who should be our next guest. Maybe it's you? To get engaged, go to our website, buona.international where you will find a box to share with us your ideas and requests regarding next episodes. Also, subscribe to our monthly newsletter and follow us on social media. Talk soon! Talk soon!